I'm Megan. I'm CJ. And I'm Erica. And this is the Her Podcast. We're so excited to welcome today's guest, Kelsey Fitch. Kelsey is an award-winning Canadian country music singer and songwriter, mother of two, founder of Neoma Wellness, manager of her family-owned business, content creator, and mental health advocate. Diagnosed with anxiety and depression in 2011, Kelsey has been sharing her unique life story in hopes to inspire others, help end the stigma, and create opportunities for mental health awareness. We have so many questions for Kelsey. Let's get into it. Do you Are drink you a coffee, coffee drinker? Mm-hmm. But I do like one a day and then I'm good. <gasps> How do you do that? I, have- I know. <laughs> well, I do none a day. <laughs> I have so many. Co- like, no wonder I'm freaking dehydrated all the time. <laughs> I do drink a lot of water too, but I am a coffee drinker. I might do like a tea in the afternoon, but mm. like one a day and I'm good. What kind of tea? Like Tim Hortons steeped. Yeah. I'm a steep girl. Okay, great. What's the Love difference? That. I don't know. I, I honestly like, like, so like, and then I felt silly. Well, a steep tea, like I feel is sand. like in the in the hot water, and you maybe drink it directly. Like maybe it's different if it's like in the teapot and then you yes. pour it. It's I, been like pre-steeped. Oh, yeah. I always just like plop a tea bag in and keep it in there the whole time I drink it. Is that yeah, wrong? like I do loose leaf. Well, is that kind oh, of what it yes, is or no? Right. Well, loose leaf I think is a little bit different because it's not as um what's the word I'm looking for? Like a steep tea is quite like small particles. Whereas oh, okay. like a loo- like in my loose leaf tea, there's like walnuts, like actual <laughs> pieces of like, right. Like it's David's more like infused. Yeah. yeah. Like a bit more, I think mm. bougie. Well, shocker. Shocker. Are like my we TV bougie. about that? <laughs> so we're just going to have like a bunch of conversation. Yeah. Okay. You're ready, feeling good. Are you guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> of course. I talk I, a lot. That's <laughs> We love that. That's what we want. That's what we want. And I was like, I have so many questions for you. (laughs) Yes. Same. Even on the way down here, I was like, where would I begin? But yeah, we'll we'll start somewhere. And Mm -hmm. we've worked with you and we've Mm -hmm. chatted with you and stuff. And so Megan was like, you guys know her better than I do. So Megan's going to kind of like lead the way today. Fun. Because like I've creeped you, obviously. (laughs) But yeah, I've never met you in person. This is our first face to face. Which is is. exciting. (laughs) So, okay. So I'm going through your notes and stuff. So You shared with us that you had a unique upbringing. Mm -hmm. So tell us what that means for you. I guess unique in a sense of like a lot of the situations that I went through. Um, It's very important to acknowledge that I came from like a white middle class family. Um, You know, on paper, everything seemed really wonderful. So like it's one of those things where, you know, you don't want to go through like the toxic positivity of saying like, well, people could always have it worse because everyone's got stuff they're going through too. Right. But, um, you know, like my dad was like a social butterfly. Everyone loved him. He was like a jock in high school. And my mom was like, they're kind of like a stereotypical, like love story. Like my mom was like the cliche intellectual, you know, more, more quiet, um, girl. And they were like high school sweethearts. They got married. Um, you know, my mom comes from a pretty wealthy farming background and they had a boy and a girl and, you know, everything's wonderful. My dad's, um, was a pretty well-respected guy in our community. And my mom was like the school teacher that everyone loved, like their favorite school teacher. Right. So like on paper, you know, everything is great until, um, basically my parents, 
had split when I was about 11, 12 years old. And the way it all went down, kind of my life was turned upside down from that point on. Mm-hmm. Um, my father had actually had an affair with my mom's, <laughs> sounds very like cliche small town, like, you know, the banjo going, because everyone knows everybody in a small yes. town. Yes. And that's the I thing, feel right? <laughs> <laughs> so my dad had had an affair with my mom's first cousin, but it was also like her best friend. Oh, So wow. like, not only was it a situation that kind of like, really mixed up our family it was like the whole community talked about it it oh. was like such a drama yeah well in the hot gossip in small towns yeah like okay like i won't lie i love it yes right. <laughs> like i'm here for it but yeah I'm also like it spreads like wildfire and can get so misconstrued like so quickly yes and as much as like you know it's so amazing to be from a small town mm-hmm. like there's always that thing where you feel like do people love to see you fall too mm. and that's kind of what happened in a sense was this like, you know, seemingly perfect family went through this big thing so publicly and also like not only so my stepmom, which is what she became, um, we were a very close knit family beforehand. So like she had two sons who went from being like my cousins to then we started calling stepbrothers Mm, (laughs) in a weird twist. And yeah, from that point on, like it was kind of, a very, I don't even know how to say it, like a tense situation for the rest of my childhood. Mm. I was going to say like going to school mm-hmm. and having people talk about that. Like I can't imagine in those formative years, right? Because yes. you would have been in what, junior high? I was in like grade six or seven. Okay. And the biggest thing is that um, I was kind of in it alone. Yeah. Um, my brother, so again, I have lots of brothers now, but <laughs> my brother that has the same mother and father he was a really fantastic hockey player. So he was away oh. on hockey, you know, billeting with families. Mm-hmm. So right. I was very much alone during this period. And um, my stepbrothers and my stepmom weren't from our community, though. So it was like kind of just my mom and I, in a sense, dealing with it. And from that point on, like, I feel like I had to grow up really quick. Yeah. Um, did your dad leave the community? No, but he lived on a farm. Oh, yeah, okay. And and also he was spending time with his new significant other in her community, right? So he wasn't really around as much. And my mom naturally was really struggling. And I kind of had to just take on like an adult role from a very young age and kind of try and keep everything together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, I think that's why I'm so talkative now. And I just feel like communication is so key because we never talked about it. We just yeah. went on with our days and brushed it under the rug yeah very much so so that's kind of how everything started for me and it's also you know talking about mental health and mental illness if I could pinpoint one time in my life where I noticed that I was starting to develop um unhealthy habits of like pushing my feelings down and like making myself more quiet for other people's comfortable Mm -hmm. levels um that would be it wow yeah so that was kind of the start of my journey, if you will. Well, and like speaking on mental health, like you've been so open, right? Mm-hmm. Since I've started following you and your journey, right? <laughs> yes. And something I've really appreciated someone who also deals with those types of things is how open you've been about what you use to help with that. So even talking about like medication, right? Right. And being open and being like, Hey, here's my pill. This is what I'm taking today, yeah. you know, for my anxiety, for my depression. And this last month, you know, we had a conversation in the 
DMs talking about you swapping your medication to a new one. Yes. Right? And what's going on in our current mental health system right now. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so important to talk about it. Um, my biggest thing is I feel like there can never be enough you know, conversation and communication, and that leads to connection, and that's what everyone is really needing right now. Yes. And that was something that when all this was starting for me, that wasn't really a thing. Like when I started, you know, dealing with my mental health struggles, talking about things, even though it wasn't that long ago, like I would say, you know, oh God, like 2000s, but people didn't talk about it like they do now. Agreed. But like the still... word anxiety and depression, like didn't, no. maybe depression existed, yeah. but it was like for this like far off, like really depressed person. Like right. I feel like the word anxiety was not in my ether and I think when that, I was growing up. Yeah. People didn't understand necessarily the difference between it. I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was 20 eight or 29. Mm-hmm. And when my parents were like, I'm so sorry that we didn't understand what was going on with you in your younger years, because That's now exactly what my parents said, we mm-hmm. understand that when you were 12, 13, like all through your teenage years and early twenties, that this was what was happening for you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I was to say, I even had a recent conversation with my own mother about it because, you know, at the time she's like, I was doing the best I could yeah. given the situation. And we all were right. But you know, at the time I was like, well, obviously I'm feeling upset. This is a big life change. that just happened. And, but at the same time there was more going on and I just kind of was like, well, that's not what it is. You know, it's, it's just the, the drama that's happening and the unnecessary stresses. Mm-hmm. But well, and when you go through something for the first time, I can kind of equate it to, and I've I, like, I don't have a diagnosis of anxiety, but, and this is gonna be weird, but I can kind of equate it to when I had my daughter, I had never had a natural birth and it didn't go well. And I was in so much pain after, but mm-hmm. I just thought that was normal. Yeah. Right. Like I was literally like, isn't this just what it is? And right. so when you're going through something for the first time and now you have this added, like an added stress of dealing with now, not just a stressful um, situation, but you also have anxiety. Right. But you're like, I'm just identifying that this is all because of this one thing. And I'm not identifying that there's actually something, a different piece here. Right. And a lot of times what people don't realize too, like there's situational anxiety as well. And, and things that can lead to further anxiety. And like I said, that was the first point where I don't know if I necessarily had the anxiety, but it was like the starting point of where I started to develop these really unhealthy habits that would lead Mm -hmm. to my mental health declining in the future years. Yeah. So this started when you were in your early teens, Mm -hmm. which is such a hard time to be a girl. Or like a person, a human in general, but that's a really hard time to be a girl. And so you were pushing the feelings down, pushing the feelings down. When did it start to hit for you that it was like, wait a second, this is consistent. You started noticing patterns and you were like, I need to go, you know, speak to my doctor or how did that unfold? Oh, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. So I guess I could just go into it. Um, Keep in mind when all this was happening, I was also singing. Yes. And and I had a singing career um, at a very young age. Like I started singing when I was like five years old. Right. So I've, you know, this was something I was pursuing. um, And more things happened as kind of time went on. So I guess I'll just get into that. Yes. If you guys are okay, with that. okay. So I know that you're a former Canadian country music artist yes. and singer songwriter. So you started really young. Mm-hmm. When did you start seriously in that industry? Let's start there. And then in that, on. yeah, that's actually like perfect timing right. for that. Um, I started more serious when I was about 15, 16. Wow. 
um, I had started kind of entering competitions within Saskatchewan and I was winning them and just kind of opportunities came from there. I started meeting people who wanted me to record, wanted me to songwrite. Um, it's actually really funny because Jess Moskaluk and I are good friends. We like would directly compete with each other. Yeah. And like her and I were always in the same competitions together. Um, it was funny cause she would like win one year and then I'd win the next year. And like, we even went to Canadian Idol together in the top 200 and things like that. How it was fun. Just- <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Like, and it was, it was a good thing. It was a bad thing. Like her and I have talked about it now where we're like, you know, I actually had told her, you know, I was thinking about maybe doing a blog post about my music industry days, but I said to her, I, I wanted to kind of not get her permission, but talk to her about it because we both know the pressures that were put on us at that time and how we were pitted against each other. Mm. And, you know, all those pressures that came with it were just so hard again on the mental health. And I look back at it now and it's funny because I would have all these feelings towards her, but it wasn't her. It was no. just me allowing myself to be swayed one way from the pressures. Right. Um, but yeah, I started about 15, 16 and, um, I, I would go to school though too. And then I graduated, went to university. It was really hard because I had a hard time deciding what should I be doing? Should I be chasing a music career or should I be going to university? Yeah. And, and then there were other things happening in my life at the time. So I'm like, when did I graduate? 2007. So yeah, like my first year university was like party central, um, going out. Yeah. Like still going and doing the singing thing and and thinking about recording. And the biggest thing that people don't understand with recording is it is fricking expensive. Mm -hmm. Like, like when I did my four song EP, like we remortgaged our house. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like when all is said and done, the recording itself is so much, there's promotion. Um, you have to pay a radio tracker. I don't even know if that's how it is anymore, to be honest, but back in the day, that's how it was. And there was just so many added costs. So I wasn't rushing into the recording process. Um, I had been approached by it and I'm like, listen, I kind of knew in my head that I had one shot to do this because I couldn't justify paying that kind of money over and over again. And um, so, yeah, I was definitely taking my time going to university, paying for school, right? Um, and deciding what I wanted to do. And then in 2009, so keep in mind when all this was happening, I had a boyfriend who was my husband now. We were like high school sweethearts, but like, you know, typical high school relationship where we were like on and off and just not the most healthy. And I had taken a year off. We both had taken a year off. That sounds funny. Um, We broke up for a year, you know, decided to see other people. And we had just gotten back together in 2008. So after my first year of university and my husband's brother, so my brother-in-law, and that was my husband's only sibling, was in a serious snowmobile accident. And it left him in like a vegetative state. And we were in the hospital for six months in RUH. And at that time, it was like, we kind of had to make a really big decision or more so I did like in our relationship. I'm like, do I stay with this guy? Like things are about to get really real here. This is a really hard time. If I'm going to be like emotionally supporting him through this, can I handle this or do I, you know, move on? And like, I chose to stay with him. It was the best decision ever, but it was a very, it's like we were forced to kind of grow up again really fast. And from that point on, Um, we actually like, he was in the hospital for six months in Saskatoon and then he was given the go ahead to be discharged, to go back home to a long-term care facility where he was for like 13 years before he passed away in 2020. 
and my husband decided to move home. Like I had to make a decision. Am I staying in the city? Am I staying in school? Mm. What am I doing here? Trying to do music on the side. Yeah. Um, and again, my mental health at all this time was fluctuating, but I was just constantly pushing it down because I, you know, wanted to be there for other people mm-hmm. in my life. And I decided to move home my classes. I was like going in between classes and going to the hospital to visit them for as long as I could. And I was not doing well. So I made the decision like, you know what, I'm going to move home, take some time to figure out what I want to do, what, what like direction I want to go in. And, um, yeah, just kind of reflect on everything so you're like 19 20 at this point yep wow well and it's kind of wild how when those things happen i think what really happens is like when something traumatic happens or a big even a positive big event i think it just makes you really step back and look at all the like crap in life and be like none of this matters what's what do i really want what are we fighting about that doesn't matter and i'm sure like as you were making those decisions yeah to stay with your boyfriend or you know what that was going to look like in a way, not that it makes that decision process easier, but I feel like you would be able to zoom out a bit more. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly what happened. I started to be like, in regards to my music, I was like, okay, right now, this isn't where my heart is. Um, and it's actually a really good decision I made at the time because more things happen that just like kind of, it'll get to the part with my mental health spiraling. But um, that's what it came down to was I was looking at my family. And I was like, I want to be with my family. Yeah, That's what's most important right now. And everything else can wait. So that's exactly what happened. And, um, you know, for our relationship, we moved home and, you know, things got more serious. We bought a house, we ran out a house and we got engaged and, you know, we kind of started to build our life that way. Um, and then in 2011, um, my stepmom had passed away from ovarian cancer. Wow. So again, like, it was like such a transitional period for me. Like I didn't know what the heck I was doing and trying to just be there for everyone. Cause then I went from, you know, supporting my husband and his family to now my dad being alone again. And he didn't handle being alone well and, you know, started drinking and was just really struggling. Mm-hmm. So I was having to be there, you know, so I'd, you know, go to his farm, spend a lot of time with him. And I just, as much as it was so like, I don't regret helping everyone i just was not even taking care of myself Mm -hmm. and my needs whatsoever you've been a caregiver since you were 13 yes and that's when that was the first year where i like my mental health was so bad it just i broke down and that's when i was like hey i need to go talk to someone because i'm just like totally depleted so what did that look like like when you say that your mental health was so bad and you were like at that place where you were having a breakdown if if you care to share like what did that look like for you on a daily basis of being in that space at that time like i've had a couple breakdowns but the 2011 one i don't want to say it wasn't as bad but it it wasn't as bad as what i'd gone through later on in life but at that time um you know i was breaking out so bad i was so stressful i couldn't sleep Mm -hmm. i couldn't really eat i just felt like eating crap i like it started to actually show up more physically Mm. in my body. I was getting like weird rashes and it just made me so sad. And I cried a lot. Your body was just screaming at you. Yeah. Yeah. And I just cried. I could like not get out of bed and you know, I'm trying to think who actually, I think it was myself that made the decision to go see a doctor. Um, and I was sent to a psychiatrist and put on medication and the psychiatrist is amazing. You know, she'd listen to everything and be like, well, yeah, obviously you got some stuff going on. <laughs> no <you> wonder. <laughs> yeah. um, but again, at the time, 
it was very much focused on medication and not so much like coping mechanisms well-rounded. and the education behind it and understanding your mental illness, yeah. not just saying, okay, well, this is what you have. Here's the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, so at the time I thought that was normal, took the medication and I went through a few years of really good mental health because it was working at the time and, you know, there was less drama in my life. So things seemed good, right? At that point, when did you get back into music? So that's when things started to like go. Yeah. When my mental health was doing better, um, you know, I hate to say it, but people weren't sick or there weren't tragedies happening in my family. Like things were good for a while. Yes, I don't I think that's bad to say. I think it's no. like totally normal to be like, hey, everyone's got their crap together or life right. is okay right now. So like, <laughs> I can like, do you stuff. Know, I can actually do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so like my husband and I got married. That was like, we, we wanted to get married. We decided to get married away because it was just really hard for us to get married in our community, especially with everything with his brother. He just thought, yeah. you know, if we could get away and just escape everything. And after that, I was like, it's go time. <laughs> like got the wedding yeah. out of the way, like yeah. no more planning. Like my energy is strictly going into my music. And um, at that time too, I'd kind of learned so many of the ins and outs of the music industry. I like I did, did a lot of reflection when, you know, all those horrible events were happening in my life. And I realized, you know, how certain people were treating me. Mm. It just like all of a sudden everything was so clear. And I was like, I don't want to be treated that way. And I want to work with people who genuinely respect me. I want to do things my way um, in a sense that, you know, there was a certain style of country music that was like more radio friendly at the time. Yeah. And I was like, no, but that's not me. Um, I'm not a powerhouse vocalist. Like I can sing, but I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I was more of a songwriter. Like if I had it my way, I probably would have never been on stage. I would have just like got myself more famous enough so I could like write for people and then just like sit back and let them take the songs. That oh, would have been like so my dream. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm so curious on the music industry and like why why are these industries like you think about like Hollywood and mm. these industries it's like they're so every time you hear people talk about them they're like it's so bad. So toxic. And I'm like it's is so it hard. because people want fame so bad that the allowances for bad behavior is just like okay you know what i'm saying like it's almost like or because w- people are willing to do anything which means people can treat people any way that they want and well, there's like this machine that's like you mm-hmm. need to do this this and this and then you'll be famous it was like you know the gatekeepers to be yeah. honest for me okay it wasn't so much like other artists it was like the people who made the decisions that would just like be mean about it okay. and so for example, I was putting out more of a traditional country album. It wasn't like the pop country. And the big thing that was big at the time was bro country. And oh. I'm rolling my eyes. I say oh, that yes. because like, yeah, oh, and I, I, Georgia, Florida line, right? Literally yes. when I kind of stopped listening to country music, I like the older stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and it was very frustrating for a female at the time. Um, this is before it was a tomato gate. Do you guys, did you hear about that? No. Oh, boy. There was a producer, no producer, radio programmer in the States who, you know, I don't even know exactly what he said, but he basically said that females in the music industry are just like just the tomatoes on the, on the, wasn't burger? I don't know what his analogy was. What? Yeah. And, and everyone was, it was very offensive. So then lots of people started standing up to this and saying, you know, we're, we're tomatoes, but like, it was like a big thing, <laughs> but we're awesome. We, we make that sandwich. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, maybe the BLT, like yeah. the BLT. I'm like, literally you're talking and I'm like thinking about all the things in my head. I'm like, BLT. <laughs> 
Tap ketchup. You, you need it. And then, so like some radio programmers got behind it and they're like, you know, we're going to have a tomato day and they would only play female country music. So that. this was before though, what I was going through. So, you know, things, and I mean, things still definitely need to change in the music industry, but I know it's come a long way. So at the time though, I was like being told specifically by record labels because I had meetings with like all the biggest record labels in Canada. Hey friends, Megan here. I want to introduce you to a brand that I've been following for years. Oasis Boutique is the first Indigenous-owned and inspired baby and kids apparel brand in Western Canada that has quickly grown to offer apparel for all littles and the entire family. I personally have several pieces of Oasis apparel. My favorite is my Treaty 6 sweatshirt, which I wear on repeat, and I have the orange beaded blanket on my wish list. Owner Christine is such a bright light in our community and through her work, notably through her orange shirt day t-shirts, she has brought visibility, support, and education to raise funds for Orange Shirt Day and Indigenous organizations in Canada. Oasis is known for being ally-friendly and encourages everyone to wear the beautiful designs created for babies, children, and adults that add style, comfort, and culture to your wardrobes. Representation matters. When you support Oasis Boutique, not only are you adding style, comfort, and practicality to your wardrobes, but you are also helping to celebrate the Indigenous culture and revitalize Indigenous languages, along with being a part of giving proceeds back to the community, one product at a time. You can follow along with Christine and Awasis Boutique on Instagram at Awasis Boutique, A-W-A-S-I-S Boutique, and shop at awasisboutique.ca. They liked my music. They were not sure if it was like radio friendly at the time because it was so different and there was only room for one female on a record label. Wow. What? Pardon me. How many artists do they have on a record label? Oh yeah. gosh, it depends on the label. But like even some of the smaller ones would have like so seven like or eight. One to a Yeah. And and for like I'm so mad right now. <laughs> and keep in mind at the time there were two females from Saskatchewan who were trying to go after these record labels. That's myself and Jess Moskaluk, right? right? So it was just a really awkward situation. And not just two of us, sorry, I'm saying that, well, but for no. me in my eyes, I yes. know a lot of the ones I was approaching, she was working with as well. And they'd say, yeah. Well, we already have our female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, things like that. And other labels too, the same thing, actually, I, you know, there's another label I had approached and they had went with a guy duo and I think they lasted like a year because the guys were partying too much and not taking it seriously. But like, well, and I, I think I would be so interested to know, like with the shift of the music industry, mm-hmm. like when you were probably trying to get into and I know nothing about this. Mm-hmm. So let's just preface that. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. But what I can imagine is that back then let's put air quotes yeah everyone had to like go to a record label to get recorded and and now you look at what's happening with like tiktok Mm -hmm. and people who can be like i'm gonna buy a mic and headphones and download a thing on my laptop and produce my own song yeah Yeah. and like be able to show the world how good i am with all the without all these gatekeepers oh it's so amazing honestly like i don't want to say but like indie artists like us we did not have that platform um, was Instagram even a thing? I no, don't I don't think so. No. I honestly, I know like, again, we're in the social media world, yeah. so there's give and take whatever mm-hmm. you want. But I'm like, the biggest thing I love about TikTok is I'm like the opportunity it's giving artists yeah. to showcase their talents and get discovered by people. It's yeah. phenomenal. And people who are like, 
you know, maybe a, a new producer's like, I just found this person. Well, now I, I, yeah, wrong with this, but I feel like Billie Eilish, her brother, produces her music for yes. her. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. yeah. Like she I watched a documentary. Her, her documentary is yes. so good. And it's like her family because they're yeah. all like musical and producing, and yes. I'm like, that's amazing. That's so cool, right? Yeah, and and I I didn't have any of that. Like I would go sing for, and I you know I hate to say it, but it was always men, mm-hmm. and and they'd be like, well then they they some of them were really good some of them were really mean about it straight up would say like you don't have talent that song is horrible and like it was just the way it was done um and then you know you should change the way you dress or i had red hair at the time because people would tell me you should have something different about you so that you stand out because the females were all fighting yeah to stand out amongst each other right and it was just honestly it was such a toxic environment and to be completely honest like I know a lot of people in the music industry who struggle with mental illness. There's more and more coming about, coming out about it every day. And it's just like, it's not surprising because it was a really, really horrible time to be honest. And I think things are changing. Um, I don't know because I'm not really in the music industry anymore, but from what I, what I do see, that's my biggest hope is that people and specifically females are treated a lot better than they were even 10 years ago. There's a quote that when I was on your website in your in your bio that you I just had to write it down because I thought it was so good. I realized I was wearing a mask and I would fight my whole music career to take it off. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, and that's, that's deep kills. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, we need to talk about this because wow. Well, that's what it, it came down to was I had to fight between like what who I am and what I wanted to do and what they wanted me to do. And I was scared to talk too much. I was scared to share my stories. Like, you know, people would say, since I've started doing social media, influencing and talking more, people thought they knew me before that from my music days. They're like, oh, I saw you sing. I saw you. And I'm like, that was just scratching the surface. And I was only saying what I could say and what I thought was socially acceptable. Because to be honest, I don't think even if I would have talked about my mental health struggles, back then that that would have been accepted no probably wouldn't they have. would have you know people who maybe want to work with me would have maybe saw me as unstable mm. or like potentially problematic if i had a breakdown like that would not have been a safe space at all which again I, it's not like that anymore but at the time that's what it was right well it's nice to see that is evolving i'm sure there's still a long way to go mm-hmm. like in a lot of industries as well but when you decided to start your social media were you like, I'm going to be me right from the get-go? This yes. is me? Very much so. I that. That's when I decided, like, that's when I was like, when I decided to take a step back from the music industry, it was it was so hard. Especially, again, being in a small town. I don't want to say, like, small town famous, but everyone knew me as, like, the singer girl in our small town. Right. Or, like, Mrs. Fitch's daughter because she was such an awesome teacher, right? So cute. And, um, like, still to this day, I will see people and they'll be like, oh, so you're not singing anymore? And I'm like, you know what? No, like it just didn't make me happy anymore. And they're like, oh, but I'm like, you know what? I'm really happy though. Like I'm doing all these things. I'm like, mm, yeah, it's too bad. Right. Cause oh, <laughs> you could have been famous. Right. right. And they just don't understand. So the biggest thing was I was just like, no, that's not me. Everything about that other than the songs, the songs, what I wrote and how I um, had them produced. I had ended up working with an amazing producer actually here in Saskatoon. He heard me. He made mm. me feel seen. Um, the hardest part about my music is that I don't play an instrument. So when I songwrite, I am strictly hearing a melody and what I hear in my head that it should sound like, which is extremely hard to convey that to people, what I'm hearing. 
Um, I had a guitar player that I worked with named Sean Blackman, and he could help get that out. And this producer, Bart McKay in Saskatoon. So I had good people in my corner, but then, you know, it was just hard not to fall to the pressures of people wanting things changed and done a certain way. So like I said, when I stepped back and the social media influencing decided to happen, um, well, that was actually the after kind of my big breakdown. Okay. So I don't know if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> you, we want to hear everything you have to say. Honestly, I'm literally on the edge of like, my seat. See, I talk a lot. Yeah, it's yeah, it's more. Um, so yeah, better after- than having someone just like sit <laughs> in silence. <laughs> Be like, this is awkward. Talk ASMR. Yeah. So after I stepped back from the music industry, um, I actually had my children. Well, my son first in 2016. And that obviously was like, took up all my time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I always say to like, I knew I wanted kids. I'm not like a very naturally maternal person. And I was like, oh, one for sure, maybe two. And, and when I say that, as I mean, like, I don't really like kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I didn't know mine. if I wanted to have kids either. That's a I lot get of people, saying. though. Yeah. They're like, I don't know if I want kids, but then they usually have their own. Yeah. And, and they're like, like, but I love my Yeah. Kids. And like, my husband was the kind of person that like, he like needs kids to like him. If we go to a birthday party, like he's in there playing with the kids. And if someone doesn't like him, he takes it so personally. And I'm like, cool. They don't want to play with me. Cool. I can visit with the adults. Oh like, my gosh. That's like so oh. opposite of like every mom that's on a play date ever. We're like, leave us alone. <laughs> Oh, man. And so like we had, you know, intense conversations about it, but no one told me like when having kids just how much your life does change. Like people ask, you know, is it harder having one or two? I personally found it having the first one was just like totally flipped my world upside down, especially because I was living such a different life of being able to jet set around the country to go to music industry events. And like I never really had to think about that. And all of a sudden, you know, I had a baby and things were different and my whole life just changed. So um, my mental health there, that's when I, there was a little bit, I didn't have postpartum, but I noticed I was struggling yeah. with the big adjustment and, um, I got through it, but it was hard. And then there's a big conversation too with, um, you know, anxiety and depression medication with breastfeeding yeah. and all those kinds of decisions had to be made, whether I was going to continue breastfeeding or if I could be on something that was safe for the baby. And it was just like, I had to think about, again, not just myself and just, it was a totally, so many layers to each decision now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, pushed through, I did end up going on a medication that was safe for breastfeeding and it was manageable at the time. And then in 2018, my father unexpectedly passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. And he had a heart attack. It was instant and it was like very traumatic, Yeah. especially because, you know, I basically spent my whole life trying to build this relationship with him and try and help him and, you know, go through all these struggles together. And, you know, there was, there was issues in between with, you know, the adjustments and it was just so like shocking. Mm. And after that, it was like, there were things that happened beyond just losing my father. There was, you know, drama with the estate. Cause I feel like grief just, you know, everyone, <laughs> Yes, bizarre when there's grief, right? Grief brings a lot of things out in people that you didn't know was ever there. Oh my goodness. Like I I just experienced it to a whole new level. And um, my father had passed away in September. We had buried him in December, like he was cremated. And it was like after that burial, then I just, again, I let go again. And then Mm -hmm. I started to be like, this is the same thing that happened in 2011, but like a million times worse to the point where 
then I felt extra guilty because I had a child Mm -hmm. and I didn't want my son to see this, which now is not something I say. Um, I totally believe it's normal. I want my kids to see this. I want them to know it's okay to have breakdowns and talk about things. But at the time I was like, so ashamed. I was like, I'm a bad mother. And like, what's wrong with me? And I couldn't get out of bed again. And so I actually said to my husband, I was like, I need to go to emergency services. Like Mm -hmm. I need help. Like I'm done. And we actually drove down to Saskatoon. I wanted to be admitted into the Dubai center. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went through emergency. They had assessed me. They had said, because I wasn't suicidal, they would not admit me. Mm-hmm. or basically do anything for me, mm-hmm. which was very frustrating. Yeah. Um, my husband was like in tears and he was like, I don't want to say it was a good thing for him to see, but it was because I had expressed my frustration with, you know, how things were handled with mental health. And he saw it firsthand. He's like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> and they were willing to put me on medication and, you know, send me a referral to psychiatrists that would be, you know, months on end, Yeah, but there was nothing to be done. And that's when we kind of were like, we sat down together and we're like, things have to change and we're going to figure out how to do this because no one else is. Yeah. Well, the system is broken, yes. right? So and you really so. have to take responsibility yep. for yourself and advocate for yourself. Oh, absolutely. Right. And start to find those resources for yourself. Yeah. And I think it can be very difficult. I think that's what was so hard for him to see too, because he's like, wow, my wife got to the point where she was like, she wants to go in and she's willing to take time away from her family because she needs to get better, not just for herself, but for her family. So he was like, she's taking this big step. It takes a big person to even go and get that help because Mm -hmm. it's scary as hell. Yes. And then to be kind of turned away, he was denied. What? It's wild. Yeah. So was that the kind of starting point of you guys sitting down and saying, okay, we, there are not supports that I need. We need to make these supports. Yes. And And it's just been, so that was like in 20, like February of 2019. And basically it's been a work in progress ever since, you know, just having immense conversations about it, Um, looking into different methods of coping, um, going to monthly counseling. We go to counseling together. We go to counseling separate and we're just always learning and being very open to whatever's out there, any resources that are out there that could possibly help. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your passion project. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's it called? Why'd you name it that? Oh, so Neoma Wellness is the brand. Um, And it's funny. So back to all the, you know, coping mechanisms, like I was literally in a body talk session. Do you know what body talk yes, is? Yes. Yeah, okay. body talk. I've been yeah. doing body talk oh, since 2017. I've never done body talk, but I do Reiki. Okay. And you know, it's like not funny, but. I like I do a lot of this stuff, but I always don't know that science, not science, but the ideas behind it. But sometimes I just go and I'm like, just do your thing. I'm open to it. Do your thing. So, you know, I'd go to body talk and, you know, I'd come home and my husband would be like, so what did she do? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) She talked about, you know, this and that. And yeah, some of it made sense, but I know it worked. (laughs) Yeah. Like I felt it. And even if I wasn't totally on board I was open to it and I would notice things. Yeah. The first time I went to body talks, I was very scared and I was like, I don't know what this is. Like Mm. I was very nervous. And I remember I was like sitting in the, in the waiting room and I was like praying and I was like, God, if I feel weird about it, I'm just going to leave. Like this is my boundary. (laughs) I'm going to be like, if I feel uncomfortable, I'm just going to stop the session and be like, I'm out. I'll pay you, but I'm out. Yeah. And I went in and I had my session and I've been going ever since. (laughs) 
Oh, I was like, <laughs> and converting the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Family. You need to go. <laughs> Nick goes. Nick yeah. and I both yes. go. Yeah. I'm trying to convince Jory to go as well, but it's one of those things where I don't know anyone that's gone that has actually had a bad experience. It's, no. Anyway, so I was on the table and the idea came to me and it was so funny. It just like popped in my head because it just came to me where I was like, you know what? I have a lot of resources, a lot of connections. And so at that time though, so I was gonna say, this is this year that I started. Well, that. I was going to say it's fairly yes. new, but it feels like it's just well, been around. Well, so. and I feel like it's something that I was building like subconsciously, yes. you, but I didn't know. Yeah. So when I had started my influencing account in 2021, um, you know, that was a big thing. I started talking about my mental health. I told my husband, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be open about it because that was kind of one of the things we talked about after my breakdown was I said, I want to help other people. I want to be open. I want to share, you know, the joys and the struggles of everyday motherhood, um, being an entrepreneur, mental health, like everything. And we had to have conversations about, you know, being in a small community, people Mm -hmm. talking, all these kinds of things. Right. So, but looking back, I'm like, I was building it. I just didn't really know it at the time. Mm -hmm. That's what was happening. So the more and more I was sharing, the more people were reaching out to me and being like, I feel the exact same. And this is my experience. And this is what happened. And I just, the connection, like, you know, even meeting you ladies, like Mm -hmm. through social media, like I know it has a bad reputation sometimes, but the connection you can make with people like who are really complete strangers and who have similar interests and values is amazing. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Yes. Instagram really like, and I mean, social media in general can really provide a platform for us to share our experiences and through shared experiences form those connections. And that's why when people ask me about social media and they're like, you're so invested in it. I'm like, I equal parts love it and equal parts really don't like it. I'm like, because there's so much good and there's right. There is toxic, but I, I think sometimes the out, the the good can outweigh oh absolutely right, the bad. Well, and what are you giving your energy to? Yes, what are you yeah. focusing on? Yeah, oh for sure. And so I'd already been building this community on there. I had connections then through social media influencing as well as for my time in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Because funny story is a lot of my friends here in the music industry are even a part of this new project in a really funny, bizarre way. I love that, um, I love that too. Yeah, so it's like full circle. It Almost. really, really is. And like I said, it's just. I, I believe, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that things happen for a reason, but I believe like good things can come from bad situations, but there's definitely some like stars aligning when you, you know, you start looking at all these things that have happened. So I came home literally after that body track session and I told my husband, I'm like, so I'm going to start a wellness brand. And he's like, what? And I'm like, and I, I want to do a retreat. Cause the retreat was kind of the, the first idea. I love that you started <laughs> with the big thing. <laughs> You're like, we're doing a retreat. Let's work backwards. Well, that's kind of what happened. I'm like, okay, well, we're doing the retreat, but it has to be under something. And then it could just kind of go from there. And he was like, what, like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? And, and like, I'm the kind of person when I get my like mind on something, like it's happening and it's going. And I don't want to say, I just like, I'm not like, I'm very, very, very organized, but a dog and a bone. Yes. Like I can't stop thinking about it. And so he's laughing. He's like, Oh God, this is happening. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. So Neoma wellness. Um, I wanted, I didn't know what I wanted the retreat to be called, but Neoma wellness. So Neoma in Greek means new moon. Mm. I'm a big, you got me right there, girl. I'm a big moon ceremony, (laughs) all about the feminine energy of the moon. And, um, funny story is a lot of this, I do feel spiraled because of when my dad passed away. Um, it's one of those things that I don't want to be like, oh, well, my dad had to pass away for this to happen. It's one of those things. That's where I said where I feel like a good situation is coming from. Yeah. A really shitty situation. And one of my very first 
um, childhood memories is with my dad. We were looking at the full moon. I'm like, my mom said I was like maybe two or three, but I remember this. And I was just like losing my shit at the cabin and crying in the night. And my dad took me out in like his gitch (laughs) (laughs) out on the dock and was like singing to me under the moon. And like, I can remember it. I remember the moon over the lake. Core memory. Yes. And whenever I look at the moon, like when my dad passed away, I would just like burst into tears, but like happy tears. And so I was like, I want to try and pay homage to my dad. Mm. And then when I saw that new moon, which is all about new beginnings Mm -hmm. and starting over, it just, it just fit. And I was like, Neoma, I love the sound of it everything right and then the retreat name evoke just came naturally as well like i saw it and i was like that's perfect it means starting a fire igniting um pulling out emotions like it's just everything i love it because language is so powerful and everything's so intentional Mm -hmm. and i think that that is like it lends to why it hits so quickly for people and why people are so drawn to it yes yeah what it what part of the uh cj and i are coming to the retreat i'm very pumped also fomo so don't talk about (laughs) it do you want to know what how many people dm me and were like i was thinking of getting tickets but i didn't know like it was a lot of people were like i didn't want to go alone i had girlfriends who'd be like oh i thought i'd at least have till next week to make a decision (laughs) but i'm curious on what you're looking forward to most about that retreat I'm going to be speaking at it for the first time Mm -hmm. and sharing my story. And I'm really excited for that because I haven't done it in a real setting since my music industry days Mm -hmm. in a songwriting circle. So Mm. I used to do songwriting circles when I was in the music industry. And those are my favorite because then I could actually sit down and just talk with the audience and share the stories Mm -hmm. behind the songs. And it was very, very vulnerable. Um, And this is going to be like, that times 10 and but just connecting with women like everyone the energy around this event already is like good so exciting everyone's so excited just to connect again when i think i mean i'm not i shouldn't speak for everybody but i can (laughs) speak for us and i feel like we're really like when we talk about it i think people probably feel the way we do which is like very excited to invest in ourselves and to be like you know how i'm gonna go to this thing and invest in me and my mental health and i'm gonna learn something and i'm gonna like I don't know. It's like invigorating, right? Well, the whole idea behind the retreat was that like when I was starting to kind of look into my own wellness journey, um, and that's what Neoma Wellness is focuses as well. Um, Dr. Bill Hetler had the six dimensions of overall wellness and that's spiritual, social, emotional, I have to think about it, physical, intellectual, and occupational mm-hmm. and how they all play in into important part of your overall wellness and your mental health. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what you need at this retreat is some like kind of piece things, of each. Yes. Of each, because a lot of retreats will focus on maybe one aspect. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, let's, let's put a bunch of stuff in this weekend where people can go out of their comfort zone, learn different, um, techniques, like skills that, that maybe when life throws curveballs their way, they're going to be better equipped to handle them. Well, and also I think what you did then is give the opportunity for someone, for everyone to walk away with something. Yes. Because sometimes in those situations, maybe if you hyper-focused on something, I might be like, well, I feel really strong in that area, so I don't feel the need to go. Right. But now what you've done is I can like look at all these things and go, oh, you know, like pick and choose the areas that I'm like, I'm exactly. very interested in this, or this is an area I think I could grow. And so you're giving a lot of opportunity. Exactly. Let everyone dabble in a little bit of everything mm-hmm. to decide what would work for them. Because mm-hmm. some people might be like, you know what, that's not my thing. Or maybe they don't even know it's not their thing because they've never tried it. So 
yeah, pushing people outside their comfort zones and trying to equip these women with tools to help them deal with crappy things in life, right? Because the biggest thing that I've learned is that with, you know, the mental health crisis that's happening, if you're not taking care of yourself, you don't want to get to that point where you might need to go and get some extra help because it might not be there right now. Well, and I think like the importance of, again, like being your own advocate and taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. ahead, right? Instead of having to like get to that point where you're like, I'm suicidal and now I can be admitted into something, exactly, right? And so I'm curious, like what are some of, you obviously talked about like body talks and things like this and the six dimensions, is that the word? Yeah. (laughs) Dimensions, you know, but I'm like, what are some of the things that you are using in your Mm -hmm. toolbox? Like your top, I don't know, like five things that you use um, to help yourself? Honestly, well, I dabble in everything. (laughs) (laughs) She's a dabbler. But the biggest thing I have found is just rest. Like Mm, if I need to take a day, I will take a day. Um, I am very fortunate that I have a job that I can do that because I know that's not the situation for everyone, but I've had some really intense conversations even with my boss, who is my stepfather. So it's great where I've said, you know, if I was sick with cancer if i had a broken leg and couldn't come in would that be more understandable than mm. you know i'm really not having a good day and you know we've had some really great conversations about how good i, I hope guys. it's more accepted in you know more workplaces that that is a thing and just because you can't physically see something doesn't mean that someone's not going through it but yeah i just will take a day to rest if i take a day though it's like very intentional like i will sleep i will make sure to massively hydrate eat healthy meditate, just like journal. Journaling has become huge for me. Mm. Um, getting my thoughts down and are you a daily journaler? No, it's very sporadic. Yeah. I would love to say I'm daily. I try and it just doesn't happen, but yeah, just taking that time to be really intentional and focus on myself. And then the next day I feel fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Those are great (laughs) tools. A reset. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you know, when you're getting to that point, are you like, okay, I can see I'm approaching a danger zone. Yeah. I'm going to schedule in some days or are you still trying to figure out? Cause myself, I'm very aware of what my capacity is, Yeah, but I've run into this week. You know, I'm just like, okay, the busyness of the last two months is really catching up to me. Mm-hmm. I need to kind of play catch up or like I should have done this, that and the other. And instead of beating myself, I'm like, okay, we've realized it now. What can I start doing immediately? Are you more like I can see it coming or you're like, shit, I'm in it. Okay. So (laughs) the biggest thing I have to talk about this because it it totally, I went to my counselor and I had this conversation recently because I was like, I don't have my shit together. I still have days where I, same thing. I would love to be like, yes, I do this and I'm perfect. And I don't, and but I said, who am I to be putting on, you know, a retreat and talking about all the things I do if I sometimes feel like I don't have it together? And he's like, well, first of all, it makes you human yeah. and it makes you extremely relatable and nobody's perfect. Like, he's like, how do you think counselors feel? No, We're telling people, you know, all the time, these are the things you should be doing. But he's like, do you think we all have it together? Like, no. And I'm like, oh, that seems like a You're very like, obvious. Maybe I shouldn't be paying you as much. <laughs> You're like well, pushing your chair. You're like slowly getting up from the couch. No, just <laughs> But I still have like, it's, it's just an ongoing process. So then he used the analogy of like dealing with your mental health um, as like a dog and a bone. He's like, okay. And I was like, where is he going with this? He's like, if you take a bone and you bury it and it's good for a while, but it's going to resurface. And then the dog takes the bone and is going to have to work on it and gnaw it down a little bit more and more and more then it'll bury it again. And then there'll be a period of it being 
okay until it resurfaces again. And you just have to keep gnawing that bone down. And he's like, that's how mental health works. Like you, it's a, it's an ongoing process and you're going to keep learning. And I was like, that's fantastic. I love that. Well, and we're really big believers here. And I feel like <laughs> even in our separate businesses from each other, but we, we like don't believe in like, I think when we wrote, she balance. were like, balance is yes. bullshit. Like, we're like, there, there, to, to have this idea of like a balanced lifestyle, I'm like, it's not true. No. There, I think you can find a balance on uh, certain days. I think you can feel well balanced. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I will fail every day at something. Yeah. I will give more energy to my work or to my kids. You know, to think that it will be equal, it can't. Yeah. And so I think we really believe in like this ebb and flow, mm-hmm. which means some days your mental health, you'll be like, I'm feeling great. And yeah. then some weeks you'll be like, this is not it for me, right? Well, and that's how life is in general. Like, yes. you know, talking about my life, you know, sometimes things can be really good and sometimes things can be really crappy. That's just how life mm-hmm. works, right? So I just feel like the more you can be equipped <laughs> to deal with it, the better. Um, just so that, you know, maybe when it is like a down day, it's not so bad for so long. And you, mm-hmm. you recognize it, you sit in it and you're like, hey, this is what it is and I need to deal with it and and move on. So that's kind of, what I am going into this with that approach, like speaking with you know, wellness, everything I'm trying to be like, I'm not perfect. I do not have it together. And I have breakdowns and I have bad days. And I would love to be like, yes, you know, I'm eating healthy all the time and I'm meditating. And there's weeks where I'm like, I'm not doing any of that crap because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the good news is I do think we're in this space and we're moving towards the space of people really wanting real yeah. and they want relatable. And they're like, I don't want to follow along with someone who has it so perfectly together yeah. that I can't even begin to attain it. Right. Right. But when someone's like, Hey, this is, you know, ideally what I would like my mornings to look like, but yeah. let me tell you, like, it doesn't always go like that. Right. Or, exactly. or maybe this is my one thing I do every day and mm-hmm. it's one thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I think you're in a space where people are, are really going to appreciate the openness that life Thank isn't you. always perfect. I think the biggest thing, you know, when you're trying to keep it together a little bit is like, you're right, keep it to one thing. And even if it doesn't happen that day, you're still acknowledging it. You're still looking at it and you're thinking about it. So that's progress. Yeah. Yeah. It's always progress as long as you're being conscious of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Kelsey. Honestly, like having you on here was just so great. (laughs) And I just have to give a little shout out really quick because... I've listened Lights of a Combine. Oh, it's good. And I have to tell you guys because like I love this song and like my kids like it's my one of my son's favorite songs. Yeah. And the one day we were like listening to it and then I think you and I got connected on Instagram and I had no mm-hmm. idea like who you were and then you posted the like cover photo and yes. I was literally like I sing your song. What? So very cool. I just think it's like I don't know. It's, it's like popped up on my Apple Music oh, that's one day. Awesome. So like funny that fun. your music is still out there and still impacting people because yes. we really love it. Farm Family, we're all about it. That was a big song. <laughs> yeah, that, it's so good. You guys have to listen. It's so good. It's so cute. Um, but we kind of want to wrap up yep, our conversation no, sure. and we like to ask people mm-hmm. this fun little tidbit that you can share with our listeners, which is, can you share with us something that you're like currently obsessed with or loving? Mm. Oh boy. Okay. Actually, the Bloom... Um, hot is it that reishi cocoa? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I know uh, you're like, like, oh, is it like the tea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's not tea. It's no, it's like it? a hot chocolate, but it's like healthy hot chocolate. Yes, and it's so good. I mix it in with coconut milk <gasps> all the time, mm. and it's like my guilty pleasure. But it's not guilty. It's like supposed to be healthy for you, and it's just like right now this Adoptogens. time of season. 
Yeah. yeah, that's the word. Again, I don't even know. I just know it's supposed to be good for you and it tastes delicious and it tastes like hot chocolate. I'm very fussy about Great. taste. <laughs> yes. So it's delicious. Do you drink it at night? Or mm-hmm. during the- well, it's supposed to help you sleep. It's supposed <gasps> right. to relax you. Oh, so there's no caffeine in it. No. no. Oh, I got to check this out. Blue. Yeah. And it's hot reishi cocoa, maybe. It's they have a whole okay, bunch of different ones, right? Mm-hmm. My yes. sister gave me a pumpkin one. Oh, yeah, the pumpkin cute. Which good. like, okay, I haven't tried it yet. I'm like, what am I? When I do, feel like I, I can see in? the logo in my yeah, head. Like, yeah, it's and like B-L-U-M-E. Yes. Okay. I'm like, and there's like different colors. It's like pink and like green. I think I got it. And it's superfoods though. So it's supposed to be like good for you. I think I got it in a box. Yeah, you probably did. I probably did. I'm like picturing this like back just coming to my head. I have like pumpkin spice. I have London fog, but the the hot cocoa is amazing. And I just mix it with coconut milk and it's delicious so now we need I bloom to sponsor milk. this <laughs> we are going to be reaching out for a discount <laughs> <laughs> packets coming soon no amazing kelsey tell everyone where they can find you tell them any information you want to share Go. um well i i'm on social media for neoma wellness as well as little taste of beige and I have my littletasteofbeige.com and neomawellness.com for websites. So amazing. And the Neoma Wellness mm-hmm. Retreat, the Evoke, is mm-hmm. unfortunately sold out. Sold out. Well, fortunately. Well, yes, very okay. fortunately. Well, unfortunately <laughs> for all of you, not unfortunate for Kelsey. <laughs> unfortunately it is for sold Megan. Out, but definitely stay tuned because we know Kelsey's mm-hmm. going to be doing big things. Yes, there are plans in the works. So we're so excited. Thank, Thank you, Kelsey. Thank, Thank you so much. So much. Bye. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the Her Podcast. If you want to follow along with us, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at its.her.podcast. We can't wait to see you there. Bye. 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 Adios.